Hello and welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I am Natalie Kra, your host. I hope you're doing amazing and staying healthy, body, mind, and spirit. Today's episode is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School. You can check us out in one of our many trainings at shantiyogatrainingschool.com. Also, I am thrilled, thrilled to announce the launch of my new book, Slash Planner, Slash Journal, The Light Code Planner. Planners are amazing because they help us stay focused and on track. Beginning your day with the right mindset is a game changer. I invite you to look at your week and plan ahead your visions, your hopes, and your dreams. The Light Code Planner holds you accountable so that you can achieve your purpose, the why you are here on planet Earth. Capturing small wins every day enhances motivation. Simply recording in some way helps to boost self-confidence and self-esteem. And you can also put this to use towards all of your future successes. A successful and blissful life is the result of a series of small wins. The Light Gold Planner is ready to assist you achieve the life that you are intended to live. Check it out at nataliecra.com slash light-code-planner. Speaking of planners, in today's episode, which I am so excited to share with you, I talked to Josh Barrow, and during our conversation, we address how time is so precious, and Josh gives us awesome tips on time management. So who is Josh Barrow? You may already be familiar with Josh and his many talents. And if you're not, here we go. Josh Biro is the founder of the Yogapreneur Collective, the head coach at Nomad Business Coaching, a consulting company that helps yoga studio owners systemize their business for more profit and peace of mind. He is one of the most sought-out business coaches in the yoga industry and is obsessed with studying the difference between studio owners who are killing it and those who are just getting by. He has helped me tremendously and continues to help thousands of yogis throughout his programs. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hi, everyone. Hello, Josh Biro. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. And hello, everyone. It's been a while. I am Natalie, your host, and welcome to Life on Earth. So how are you, Josh? I know you're in Mexico today. <laughs> yeah, I'm so good. <laughs> Uh, despite everything that's going on, life is good. Sunshine down here is nice right now. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on Life on Earth podcast and being a part of our community. And also, you have been my business coach now for a bit. And I love everything I'm learning from you. So I'm excited to share this with all of our Life on Earth listeners. Well, thanks for saying. 
Yeah. So Josh, I'll just start with that. Josh's website, everyone, is joshbiro.com. And today I wanted to start with, there's a few things I want to touch upon. One is, this is the beginning of a new year. So I think time management and planning, you send us a great email about it. And I thought it would be a great topic for Life on Earth. So we definitely want to go into it. But for you guys, listeners, if you don't know Josh yet, maybe you already know, I would love to kind of go into what he does and his background. He can be super helpful for many of us. So thank you for that. And his Yogapreneur Collective is business coach. Is that what you call it? Like, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what is the Yogapreneur Collective? If I was to sum it up, I help yoga businesses make more money and larger impact through integral team development, sound systems, ethical sales, and really like community-oriented marketing strategies. The Yogapreneur Collective is a specific membership group that I run for yoga business owners because although information is important and having one-on-one help from a coach like myself can be very powerful, additionally, as many of you guys know, when you own your own business, it's surprisingly isolating at the top. You're not going to walk down the street and ask your competitor, what are you doing? So... To have a group of peers to really be able to riff with and have as a sounding board and to just be able to vent to is really powerful, I think. So that's why we started the Yoga Panera Collective. And Josh, I mean, obviously, you're super passionate about business. And I think that when I see you working in our live streams and all that, you could have gone any direction. I mean, when people love business like you do, the behind the scene, it could have been anything. But I'm going to ask you why yoga? Like, how did you get into yoga? I mean, I'm assuming you're originally a yoga teacher as well, or you still are. I mean, it started with that, you practicing and then became a teacher. What's your journey? Yeah, (laughs) my journey is a non-typical and typical one, I suppose. So I actually grew up in a bit of a yoga family. My dad was really into Ashtanga yoga. I even remember going to like see Patabi Joyce when he came to San Francisco when I was a kid. And he would drag me to class with him, but I hated it. I really didn't like practicing. I was super inflexible. I was a little bit self-conscious as usually the only young male in class. So I didn't really get too into it until after I aged out of hockey. So I'm from Canada originally, and I was pretty banged up. And my wife actually got me back into class and I just got those results from yoga that attracts a lot of people. I felt good basically and had some surprise results, a lot more mental clarity and feeling grounded, that sort of stuff. So ultimately became a yoga teacher, helped a few friends manage their studios and a few other friends build their studios. My wife and I, Jenna, building our own studio, which we had such a fun time (laughs) operating, but we ultimately sold it and we've been traveling full time for just about six years now. And once we started traveling, we started out in an RV. So what was interesting is we had the opportunity to actually physically drive to yoga studios all over North America. I think we stopped counting after 125 or something. Wow. That's And yeah. And the result is as a fellow owner of a yoga business, you just end up talking business with people. And that's how the whole thing sort of really got going. And what we realized is too many businesses in the yoga world specifically are struggling unnecessarily in my opinion. The other detail is there's a very clear disconnect in most of the wellness industry, I would say, between business and the purpose of what the business is trying to do. So for example, a yoga studio, the vast majority of owners out there, 
yourself included, running your yoga business, we don't open up because we say, you know what, I just really love business. We open up because we love our product and the positive impact it has on the world. And we want to share that with people. So the issue that can arise from that is that we might not always be equipped with the business practices, or we might even feel like the business part of it is not where we should be focusing our effort. But I think business leadership is the most important leadership of our time. Businesses are the vehicle of distribution of awesome stuff, (laughs) like a yoga class. And it's clear as day to me, when you do well in your business, you also create more impact and vice versa. And there, I was just going to say, there's no reason why us yogis, I can put it like that, or really anyone in the wellness who wants to start with a different reason, like you said, but there's no reason why we couldn't have all of it or both. Totally. I mean, and yogis certainly understand the concept of union. Everything is connected. They're not separate things. They're not separate concepts. Most of what I know about business, I know it from yoga (laughs) and and vice versa for that matter. So I think that people sometimes need to just have a little gut check and realize that your business is your vehicle. It's the current best system that our culture has created for the distribution of what you're offering. I love that. You work with a ton of studio owners now, right? Yeah, we've been lucky enough to work with owners all over the world, everywhere from Australia, New Zealand, through all of North America, the European Union, the UK. So one can can book like private sessions or you can be a part of the member, the Entrepreneur Collective, Yogapreneur Collective, and then you have monthly meetings and then the group gets together and discusses different scenarios, right? Totally. So what we've solved for with our business model is connection between other peers. So you have that sounding board. So that's currently in a private Facebook group, but soon to be in a separate system, but a private group. We also think that continuing education and access to resources is extremely important. The truth is anyone can go on YouTube, anyone can go online, you can learn about whatever you want. But what's deflating for a business owner is how many hours of time you have to spend filtering through the information that's just not actually relevant to your specific unique business. So we kind of try to do that for you. So we have a video library and we also bring in experts to do a couple of webinars a month for the crew. And then the final element is sometimes you just need that fresh set of eyes looking directly at your specific business. And that's where one-on-one coaching comes in. And as an extension of that, I think anyone in any entrepreneurial (laughs) endeavor understands that accountability is really powerful. So with the one-on-one coaching, you also have that extra person helping to hold you accountable to really move the needle and get things done. Yeah, definitely. And I find it super valuable what you offer. So 2020, needless to say, was a very special year with a lot of different situations, right? And I think a lot of us actually got really busy trying to figure out new ways to explore our business for one going many studios going online people who were online already had to go more online those who weren't had to figure that out all out and you really were key in that helping i saw you assisting you know and creating a path for so many people and showing the light if i had to ask you like what was one of the biggest lessons or like your top three biggest lessons of 2020 what do you think (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. The big thing that stands out to me, maybe I wouldn't normally describe it as a lesson, but I suppose it is, is that 
pretty much everything that we encountered in the business world, moving online, the digitization of things, the almost democratization of a lot of products, and the precariousness of a lot of businesses. So many businesses were immediately closed because they couldn't float the business past a month long if they didn't have their regular operations underway. These weren't a result of all the shenanigans of 2020. These were inevitabilities anyways. All that happened is they were all amplified at the same time and it made everything happen quicker, basically. So the big takeaway for me is when you see something coming, it's the procrastination that we can have as business owners. And that's the thing to be aware of moving forward because I think we'll continue to speed up. There's never a better time to start taking action and actually launching on your bigger plan and vision for what you're doing because you never know when all of a sudden you're going to need to do it. And doing something out of panic and reaction is never quite as powerful or at least enjoyable as doing something preemptively. What about like trying something new? Did you feel like for some that could be part of the hesitation or? Completely. I mean, prior to like 2019, let's take the yoga studio world as an example. We had already been having the discussion about maximizing the potential of the business by starting to build out a virtual element of it as well. And that's where everything's going. But if your business is running and you're making money, like that's just deprioritized. You just don't bother trying to do it. So it wasn't necessarily even the fear of it in a lot of cases, as much as just the feeling of it not being necessary. But fear of the unknown and of the difficulty of launching on something new is certainly a huge component as well. And one of the things that we've really seen that I think is particularly interesting is more in the yoga teacher world. So if you think about yoga teacher training, even the best yoga teacher trainings out there, I mean... It's very seldom you come out in your very first yoga class you ever teach, you're just a total rock star. Like you have to, it's nerve wracking. And I remember the first class I ever taught, I thought I was going to puke before. Like it's, it's scary. But you just go through this process and gain the experience and you get better. Business is exactly the same thing. So what's interesting, I guess my ultimate point is how many yoga teachers out there are saying things like, well, I don't want to teach online. I don't believe in teaching online or on the other end of the spectrum, teachers who are saying, well, now I'm teaching online, so I don't want to participate in a business. I'm going to do it as a solo operation. So it's created this really interesting divide in the wellness industry, which I wouldn't even say is negative. It's just a fascinating thing to look at. And my point being, if you're the person who falls on the side of being nervous about trying the digital stuff because it's not something you're normally used to, You just have to remind yourself of the other things that you weren't normally used to, like teaching your first yoga class. Of course, it's nerve wracking at first. Of course, you're not going to be perfect at it at first because you haven't done it yet. Yeah, that's a very good point. And and you get better at it. That is a very good point. Thanks for bringing that up. I love that because I, at Shanti Yoga Training School, we have, we have that comes up a lot, especially when they first graduate. Then I get, oh my God, I'm freaking out about my first yoga class. And then it's exactly what I tell them. You just have to do it, do it, do it, do it. You got to practice. You get, there's a learning curve. You got to go through it and then you're going to get better. And I love that you mentioned business is the same. So just keep trying if, and if the learning curve now is moving to online or virtual or trying to find different ways to think outside the box to make your business functional and successful, there is no reason why I think we need to panic. I think that 
it's an opportunity as well. And now in 2021, the year we're in, it's really for any year. But I have lots of people also in our community who are also small business owners, yoga or another type of wellness. And sometimes now they're reaching out to me, telling me that they're struggling, you know, that and I can see, of course, I can see how it can be very anxiety building. And I mean, I get it. I feel it. A lot of people have gone through a hard time. What would you recommend? I mean, not really recommend, but what would your advice maybe be, Josh, for someone who's a small business owner, whether it's a yoga studio or something else, retreats or massage, I don't know, whatever really could apply to anything. But let's use yoga as an example that they feel that maybe the past two, three months, and now they're a little bit kind of confused, like where to go? I'm struggling. I don't get, I don't have enough students. I'm going online. I only get three or four per class. Like, do you have anything maybe like point a light to them, like things they could do to think outside the box or get together with a group of people? What would you say for someone like that? Yeah, that's a (laughs) great question too. I mean, I feel like that's the forefront of everyone's mind for the last three or four months is what are the next steps? What do we do? And one of the things that I'm encountering speaking with people in any wellness business right now is this realization that, and this is the same for me opening my first yoga studio. The vision is I'm going to build a studio and open up and people are going to come in and take my yoga class and pay me money for it. And that's it. That's the end of the vision. The truth is that's the starting line. So what's happened now is I think a lot of business owners are having a crisis of vision and it's not entirely their fault. But what I think will happen next is the businesses who are able to clarify that for themselves are going to be the ones that ultimately have more success because they have a compass. They have a direction that they're going in. So regardless of what specifically you do, I think first you have to look at where specifically are you going? What are you building for and why are you building it? And get back to that really core element of the business. So if you are a massage therapist, like why are you a massage therapist in the first place? If you're a yoga teacher, like why do you teach yoga? If you opened a yoga studio, why did you open a yoga studio? Get back to that core element and then fast forward yourself. Okay, if I'm trying to achieve this thing and help these people with this skill set that I have, if everything went according to plan, what does that look like in five years from now? And it just gives you a little bit more direction. And then once you know your destination, then you start acting like that today. Okay, well, in five years from now, I'm going to have a studio that does X, Y, and Z and creates this and is profitable and so on and so forth. What's stopping me from being there right now? What is it that's missing that wouldn't make this happen? And what you'll identify, I'll give a really specific example, would be, okay, well, right now I don't have enough clients. I don't have enough people coming in. Okay, let's go get more clients. How do we do that? (laughs) Well, we need to start a relationship with them. Where do we start a relationship with them? Right now they're all online. So you've got your email, you've got social media, you've got advertisements, All of a sudden, there's a new purpose for why we participate in those systems, because it's about creating a relationship that's going to ultimately lead them to being a client with you, not because Instagram's cool or something, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a really great point right there. So when you talk about clarifying, it's really going back to basics, like those questions like, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? And what do I want out of this? Like how you first started. Totally. I think the harder part in especially small business 
is when you've been operating for long enough, which might not be that long, three, four, five years even, that your enthusiasm has waned a little bit from when you initially opened. And then something like 2020 comes along and makes it very difficult. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do I have the steam to keep going? So you really have to go back to that basic stuff and like have this bigger vision and go back again and figure out what's your why factor? Why are you in this? What's your big motivator personally? Because we're at a time where the wellness industry is a perfect example of this. It's a really interesting thing to see how people communicate right now in the wellness industry. There's a lot of thank you for supporting us and thank you for this, that, and the other thing. And that we're having a tough time because of COVID or whatever. But when you think about the client who's going to any wellness business, and this is being as blunt as I can about it, so not to be rude, but it's like, I don't give a shit about that stuff. What I care about is you help me solve a problem. You do something for me. You're in a service industry to me if I'm your client. So what I think matters right now more than ever is getting back to that why you're in this in the first place and really, really getting excited about what you're doing again. And then communicating that, communicating about like, I'm going to save the world by teaching these yoga classes and tell people about that because that's what they want to hear now. And that's why they've always come to you. And that's why they're going to come to you again. Yeah. So you held this seminar, right, for two days, right before New Year's Eve. It was a business seminar, right? Is that how you call it? Uh, Yeah, we had our yoga business summit. Summit. Yeah. One of the things that we looked into was the projection with everything going on, all the different nuances, different things happening, different platforms. I'm just going to speak from a personal perspective. There's so many. I keep seeing now all these different platforms, different ways to present and presentations and way beyond Zoom and all these different other things that you one could do online and co-create together with others. So really, in a way, if you're smart about it, there's a lot of opportunities, but you could also, if you have fear and you have this other thing that we've been talking about, you could shut down to it. So you could kind of go different ways, right? Which is why I think something like Yogapreneur Collective is so helpful because then you get that support of people who's, even if you hit a wall, it can like help you go through it. You know what I mean? But what do you think just We don't have to be super specific, but kind of if you had sort of a vision for 2021, what do you think like the projections are for the online business and the online world? Well, we've definitely moved. Let me back up a little bit too, Natalie, because there's sort of a bigger history line that this ties into, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about it. But if we look at yoga in Western culture, it sort of arrives late 1800s, early 1900s, very closed door, invite only. 20s and 30s, it's quite elitist, high culture. 60s and 70s, it becomes Zen, hippie, flower power, new age movement. And then we see it start to really explode in the 90s because it becomes fitness. Around 2010, it changes again into what we call the era of marketing. And we are literally living through a moment of change right now where we're shifting from the era of marketing into the digital era. And understanding this sort of gives us some bigger perspective. Now, it's not to say that everything that's come before this moment in time does not hold to be true still. It's just there's another layer on top of it. So era of marketing 
the concept there is that your ability to communicate the value of your product is more important than what your product is. Wow, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Now, when we add in this new layer of moving into the digital era, a couple of the factors of it are realizing that we've just gone through a massive moment of education for your average consumer. People who six months ago would have never even known how to log on to Zoom or Skype or whatever, people who would have said, I'm never taking an online class, they're now doing it. It now is part of their life. So the barrier for those people to participate in a digital way has been significantly lowered. To your point, there's a million and one different platforms that help you solve different digital virtual products. So now the marketplace is different because it's not as localized as it was even a year ago. It's certainly potentially larger. And data control and data collection is exceedingly important and powerful in a whole new way. And in case anyone missed it, that was the big news of early 2019 that personal data surpassed oil as the most valuable commodity on the planet. So where we're going next, my prediction would be just that it's going to be sort of this polarizing direction in small business in that there will be the necessity or at least the heavy benefit from digitizing a lot of what you do purely based on the fact that the consumer base who's coming to you are going to expect it because if they, they can just easily click a button on their phone or whatever else to consume a similar product to yours and the convenience is there and the price point is there when they go to those products, they're going to expect that from you. On the other hand, there's definitely also a renewed value in the personalization that your small business might offer that's not possible with these bigger setups. So you've got to think your mom and pop shop yoga studio, what's its competitive advantage? Well, it's probably not just the yoga class, because even if you're an awesome teacher, people who haven't experienced your class yet won't know that. It's certainly not your price point, because to price compete with some of the big players would be silly. So what have you got left? It's your experience. It's the fact that you can curate a client experience, both online, virtually, and offline physically, that is hyper-personal and specific, value-based, and really human. That's really the competitive advantage. So that's my projection, is I think we're going to see a lot of digitization, but there's also this juxtaposition of hyper-personalized, really human-based business practices being more powerful now than they've ever been. Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate to that because those are the people that I gravitate towards as a student, even, that I'm in those communities or I'm taking their classes or I'm being their member or whatever. It's because, like you said, there's so many different choices. That's just part of being where we are right now, but it's this extra factory that it's the personality, it's who they are, it's how they speak to me. And that to me is very valuable, even more valuable than like the perfect manicured video. Yeah. Way totally more valuable, actually. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So one of the things we were just talking, I'll back up just a bit, was how people could perhaps be feeling 
overwhelmed, even in all this scenario, which brings me to one of the things I wanted to bring up in this episode, because you send that email about overwhelming and time management. So one of the things that came up in our community a lot was, oh my God, time is flying by. I don't know if it's because now everybody's like got all these Zoom or other platform appointments, plus their family life or their own personal life that they're even like trying to go to the gym or whatever, or doing a class online, a presentation, hopping on Zoom all the time, and then trying to go to the supermarket and trying to do... And people are just feeling really like overwhelmed sometimes, you know, and it's just a lot and it's a lot of screen time too. And then add that if you have your own business or you're trying to, even if you're a yoga teacher and you're teaching all different places, I was trying to find out like ways to give people some tips to be like super organized. Maybe like you can tell us what you do. Do you have a to-do list? Do you plan out your week ahead? What are some of the tips that we can do to to feel like we've got more control over this and that it's not just like all of a sudden, boom, you know, all this is in your house, in your room, and you're just like all over the map. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that any person, let alone entrepreneur or business owner, has experienced this and needs to strategize around it. Because if we look at the playing field, let's say, the one resource that everyone has an equal amount of and no one can gain any more of is time. So this becomes a life skill in so many ways that I think just empowers you way beyond belief. And most importantly, when we're talking about stress reduction, (laughs) that's a huge part of it. Yeah, I feel, I'm just going to say this, honestly, that November, December, I just felt like time was speeding. I just felt, I was like, what is happening? Like, it was (laughs) just, every day was going by so fast. It was crazy. Yes. (laughs) I mean, so here's a couple of things. The first thing is, on a personal level, you have to give yourself some permissions and have some grace with yourself. Because... There's a limit to the mental capacity that any one individual can put out in one day. And realizing that is not disempowering, it's empowering. So one of the things is if you really, especially if you're really aware, really self-aware on a deeper level, just know when you're done and take a break. Like know when you need a day off. Know when you aren't going to work on the weekend and actually plan for that. So from a practical approach, Know who you are and how you work and just make sure, like one of the conversations we have with the yogapreneurs is, okay, you're making your schedule for your week. Where in the week do you have 24 hours of complete off time where you don't have to do anything at all? Not answer an email, phone call, nothing. It's got, you got to have it written right in there. Same thing on the macro in the next year, when are you taking a vacation? And it doesn't mean you have to go to Costa Rica or something, but like, when are you purposefully taking multiple days of time, I'd recommend a whole month, honestly, where you just don't have to do anything. Start planning for that ahead. (laughs) I think starting there, because one of the things that happens is the stress that is associated with time is when we try to compress it. When we give yourself a deadline or a list of things that have to be accomplished within a specific amount of time, that's where the stress comes from. Doing the things is not the stressful part. It's doing them within a specific amount of time that's stressful. So keeping that in balance, and that's just a general approach, but really practically speaking, I think the first thing is, and this is a skill that I think everyone has to work on for a long time. There's very few people I know that are exceedingly perfect at this, but 
as much as possible, this comes back to our vision conversation. When we're talking about business, especially know where you're going and know what the next, let's say three things are that have to happen to get you there. So let's say you are a wellness business and you want to launch your video on demand platform right now because that's your goal for the next quarter or for by the end of the year or whatever. And because that's going to help increase your business. There are a lot of things that have to happen for you to fully launch that. So if in the midst of accomplishing those things, getting the gear, filming, editing, deciding on a platform, uploading, sales functions, whatever, you suddenly get distracted and start, I don't know, building something totally different, start working on something at like, I'm going to repaint my studio. Maybe your studio needs to be repainted, but you've set the goal that you're launching this video on demand platform. There should be nothing else that exists but that. So all of your efforts basically are focused towards a singular outcome for a moment in time, as opposed to multitasking. I actually don't believe anyone can multitask very well. I think that the human brain can take on a tremendous amount of information and accomplish a tremendous amount of things in a very short period of time, but it's not built to take on a ton of information or accomplish a tremendous amount of things at the exact same moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that when you do that, when you have that one single focus mindset, it's a lot less stressful than when you're trying to do like 10 different things, especially if they're like completely different outlets. Like for example, technical stuff and creative stuff on the same day, then you're like, whoa, it's almost like I kind of have to put all of my technical computer stuff in one day and then the creative in another day. It's just, it really helps to, to differentiate like that. I totally agree. And here's a little bit more extreme example because the other element of this that in the wellness industry, I think that we kind of understand, but in practice doesn't maybe happen as often or isn't spoken about and it's sacrifice. In order to do one thing, you might have to sacrifice something else. So if we're talking about this in a business, if right now you're working on the creative plan for the sequence of videos that's going to go into the primary course in your online video on demand platform for your wellness business, don't open your email up. Don't go answer emails would be an example. That is a great, great tip. <laughs> because that's how you derail yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that might mean you have to be a little intelligent up front with your planning. So you might have to have an autoresponder on your email that says, hey, we do our best to get back to you within 24 hours, but I'm focused on the most important things for helping people succeed right now. So please bear with me until we answer, like that sort of thing. And then the other element here is the concept of living by your calendar, like living by your schedule. So any major business action that you have to take, or personal action for that matter, put it in your calendar, create the time for it. I think one of the traps that you can fall into as an entrepreneur is thinking, okay, well, I'm going to think about how to do this and then I'm just going to do it. But we don't actually map out. Here's two hours of time for me to just think about it. And then here's four hours of time the next day where I'm going to film what I decided on. Execute, and execute your ex idea. Execute. Exactly. <laughs> and then Right. Because then there's execution. And then after that, there's launching it and communicating oh, it. And yeah. like 
break these all out into smaller pieces and actually put them in the calendar. Exactly. And the whole thing about like also not checking your email, like what you said, I love that. It's also like the other day, I give an example. I checked my email. I had a really busy day and then I finally was going to bed and then had the worst idea of opening my email right before I try to go to sleep. And then, of course, there's like two things that I'm like, oh, my God, now this is on my head. So I can't even sleep. So it's just better not to. Put that aside. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Well, that was super helpful. I just have some questions for you now because I'm very curious and maybe this will be something inspirational for our listeners as well. Do you have a morning routine? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. My morning routine switches based on my geography, honestly. <laughs> I find myself to be very affected by my environment. So here where I am currently in Mexico, I get up. And I go for a run and then I work out with a personal trainer right now because the local gym and stuff isn't open. And we do a lot of boxing, but we do a lot of deep mobility. So it's kind of like yoga, but also really strength-based mobility stuff. Most days, is that like four times a week or? Yeah, four or five times, I would say, is probably my, my average. If the waves are really good, though, I might skip and go surfing. (laughs) That's part of it. So I do something physical, though, is the point. And for me personally, I don't get up and breakfast. I don't get I just literally crawl out of bed and immediately go into moving my body. Because if I think about it too much, it's too easy to waffle on it. I have to just be a little bit brainless. Then have a breakfast and come down to work. That's pretty much my my standard rotation in the morning. Yeah. Maybe drop the kids off at school on the way. Do you meditate? Yes. I started a meditation practice maybe 15 years ago. And what I found after struggling and struggling with sort of a seated still meditation was that I am a mover. So personally, I find that I do a lot of things that are very meditative, but my purposeful meditation is walking in the forest or walking in the jungle. I don't need to do anything And often I'll end up sitting somewhere, but that's how I personally find myself getting into that state of mind. So it's a walking meditation. It's a walking meditation. And if I can get in the zone after a while, that's how you walk for like an hour and 45 minutes of it. I have no idea what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Walking around in the jungle. So is that like, do you consider that your quiet time or do you have another quiet time where you pull like inspiration to rejuvenate or for all the work you do? Like, how do you, how do you find that strength or that peace? Yeah, honestly, that's one of the hardest things to keep in really good balance in my life is like making sure to have a physical practice of some sort for just basic health. And then I have three kids and (laughs) help out with I have a couple businesses that I'm running. And so it's easy to have lots of excuses for it. So sometimes the other things that I do are other than sort of a meditation practice are literally just that permission we're talking about. And it might not be as frequent as I'd like, but just being able to really turn the switch. So recently, for example, we took a drive to a different beach nearby and just sat there. Didn't talk about anything, didn't do anything, nothing. So trying to kind of purposefully do that once a week. Another example of that would be I'm into fishing, not because I love fishing so much as the action of going and like standing next to the water. (laughs) So, yeah. 
Yeah, and like surfing, if you go surfing, then that kind of is super mindful as well because you get all the exercise, but you also have those moments that you're waiting in between the waves. And I feel like that's a meditation right there. And you're completely immersed in nature. Surfing is just one of those things that I find so complete in so many levels. Yeah, I agree. I think that for a lot of people, it can get to that point because even if there's a bunch of other people out there, you have no obligation to talk to anybody or do anything. Yeah, Yeah. I used to go surfing a lot when I lived in Rio, in Brazil. It's wonderful. So, okay, so you do that and then... How do you get like inspiration for all your stuff like that you do that we see? I mean, I feel like you have so many, a lot of times like you're on camera. It's kind of like me too. So you have to, I'm assuming, like be able to fill your own cup as well in order to give so much to so many people and to come up with so many ideas. Well, on the ideas front, I am a huge proponent of just the concept of continual learning. So I'm almost perpetually doing one or two online courses or purposefully going somewhere for an experience level learning process, or I'm in a couple of private sort of like mastermind groups for businesses like mine, where there's just other people who do similar things and I get to talk to them. So it took me a few years of business to see the real value in paying for those things, but there is. I mean, it's, oh, just, yeah. so, it's just so important. There's so you that. have your own mentors. Yeah. I always make the joke. I've got coaches who coach me on coaching um, <laughs> and, and mentors that I've met throughout the years. And then a couple like entrepreneurial groups and mastermind groups that I participate in as well. Just the fact that they have a scheduled meeting that you've paid money for. So you show up to, even if I don't feel like it at all, you never regret it once you're there kind of thing. Yeah. I think having mentors is like the key. It's just so freaking amazing. I totally agree. And I feel like for a lot of people, the mentorship model and the coaching model and the sort of group model is probably the future of education for a huge portion of our culture because the standard methodology of education isn't necessarily for everyone. So I think we'll see that just continue to be more prevalent and and more talked about culturally. Now, in terms of filling my cup, I think also it's, I really equate it to teaching a yoga class too. That like, if you're teaching a yoga class and you're super engaged, and then your students are also super engaged, what ends up happening is at the end of the class, you feel okay. Like you're not so exhausted by the class because there's been an energetic exchange in both directions. So a lot of coaching is very similar that way. I get a lot of positive feedback from the success of somebody that we're helping. So it's very rewarding Um, what you're doing. it's, It's extremely rewarding. I mean, I take it to a really big level for myself personally, just in that it's this ripple effect concept. If I can help businesses do better and then they can help more people do better than an entire culture is doing better But even just on the singular level, as someone who has owned multiple small businesses and a yoga studio myself, and I'm working with the yoga studio owner, like, I get it. I get the battle that they're in. So when they succeed, it's it's like me succeeding. (laughs) 
Yeah. And all of this too can be so fun. It can be intriguing and interesting when you're owning a business and you're trying to figure all these things out. And I think for me, it's also, it can be stressful. It can be all of it, but it can also be fun. It's super fun and it makes life more interesting. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that in everyone is a certain level of competitiveness. And in adulthood, we don't always have a way to channel that element of ourselves. If we take this into entrepreneurship and small business, especially in the wellness world, like winning in your business is fulfilling that natural element of competitiveness that's within us too. And in that way, it's very rewarding. And I think people maybe don't articulate it that way, but when you win at something, it's fun. (laughs) We tend to like what we're good at. So if you're not having fun doing something, either don't do it or number two, can you just get good at it? Because if you get really good at it, then you probably tend to like it a lot more. Yeah. How can you become a better version of yourself? I mean, that is like just so intriguing to me and it can be your business. And I, yeah, I had never heard anyone express that in that way that you just did, but I, I love it and uh, definitely a hundred percent agree. So I just have a few more questions for you. So I, lo- I know that you love traveling. Why do you love traveling so much? I consider myself a citizen of the world, but I just want to hear from you. What is it that you love so much about different countries and different cultures and traveling? What makes you do that or want to live like that? Yeah, totally. We get this question a lot, especially just because if you looked at it as a young family, practically speaking, Canada is a very rich, very safe, very abundant place. So why would you leave it? (laughs) Basically. And it's not because we have any negative thought about where we were living in Canada. It's more just the fact that the world is such an accessible place in a new way as of the last few tens of years. And traveling opens up your mind to just these completely different perspectives of reality, which to me helps me then reform my own perspective of reality. So I find different cultures and different people very fascinating. Just the simplest thing like food. I mean, I I don't know if I'd call myself a foodie, but I like (laughs) good food as much as the next person. And just the interesting flavor combinations or the simplicity of a specific ingredient. Here in Mexico, for example, there's a leaf called Oja Santa, which has like a black licorice flavor. In Oaxaca, you put it on pizza. At first, you're like, why would we, well, their version of a pizza, you're like, why would we do this? But it's amazing, and you can't find it anywhere other than there. (laughs) It's just a thing that happens. So That's amazing. And what does yoga mean to you today? Yeah, yoga to me today, I would say, is an attempt from, I'm trying to really be specific on this, it's an attempt to learn more about yourself. I think whatever version of yoga, whatever lineage of yoga, whatever any detail of yoga, whatever that means to you, I think that yoga is ultimately a tool for you to be more introspective, for you to really learn more about yourself. And I think that so many issues in the world would be solved by people being more aware of who they are as an individual. I love that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And what about if I ask you like total health, 
in the sense of what is health, like body, mind, spirit, like what do you consider like to be like a healthy human being or someone who's at least on the path to health? What should we look for? A totality of it. Yeah. Well, I think the number one health checkbox is, is somebody happy and loving to other people. Anyone who is physically unfit, mentally unfit, emotionally unfit is usually terrible to be around and doesn't like themselves. So that's not healthy on so many levels. That's like the big one to me. I think that in terms of on the path to health, it's realizing that we've been sold on this concept of health being these individual compartmentalized things. It's just the food or it's just you got to work out or it's just you should meditate or it's just go to the do this thing that the doctor says or whatever. I don't think that it's one or the other. I think it's all of it. Real health is just do the things that feed you that make you strong, that make you pliable and agile and flexible, the things that make you happy, the things that make you feel grounded that looks different for everyone. Yeah. And you just touched upon if someone is has one of those components that are very unhealthy and they're just maybe not pleasant to be around. So let's say you're someone listening to this right now and you do feel that you're in some kind of funk, whether it's because you're not happy with your physical or your mental, your emotional. Do you have like a tip for someone who's like, maybe has got a really dark cloud and say, okay, how can I even put my first foot like how can I get myself out of this like baby steps or what would you say? Yeah, I take maybe a different approach. So I, I need to preface what I'm about to say by saying you need to do what's right for you. So in general, what I would say is at any moment in time, you can always do something. Just move forward, do anything, take the first step. You've got to gain some momentum of some sort. But for me, and it might be a little bit more extreme, but I sometimes have more motivation on things that are negative than things that are positive. So instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to eat healthy or I'm going to work out more, what I think is I'm going to not do X, Y, or Z. I'm going to not eat just this one thing, sugar or whatever. And taking that to a really extreme level, just to kind of get that momentum going, that for me snaps me out of the funk. And it's not that you calibrate to that forever, but... I don't know. That's been my personal technique. Same thing in business. You got to get something done. I think, okay, well, I'm not going to answer emails. I'm not going to film this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do nothing else, but just this one thing, this one focal thing for a few days. And I go really extreme on it and just to kind of get the momentum going. And, and that for me is something that's always helped me sort of snap out of any sort of negative spiral. Yeah. And if you're like, maybe that as an example, if it's something physical and if you can get a personal trainer like four times a week or five, five times a week and just make yourself do it, go full on on it. I totally agree. And I think to your point, you have to know how you're motivated, but money is a surprisingly powerful motivator for people who aren't even traditionally motivated by money. That it's like once you paid for something, you've energetically also committed to that thing. So the personal trainer analogy is perfect, too. It's like you want to get in shape, go hire a personal trainer that is going to hold you accountable to a schedule and you got to show up for that person. And then you show up because just showing up and getting the ball rolling and getting the momentum started, that's often the hardest part. Yep. So Josh, what excites you today? 
<laughs> what excites <laughs> me today? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the future. We're living at a maybe difficult time as of late, but an interesting time in terms of just mass expansion in knowledge and technology and science and interactivity between people in a totally new ways and globalization of things. I, I just, I'm excited for the future. What excites me is the potential of where things are going, where people are starting to look moving forward. And just the fact that conversations that were taboo 10 years ago, even around health and wellness, around appropriateness, around treating each other humanely <laughs> are now totally the norm. They're becoming the mainstream. So I'm excited about that because I'll get to experience it. My kids will get to grow up in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about all this as well. Well, this was really fantastic. Thank you so much. And if someone wants to work with you, get to know you better, where should we send them to find everything they can about you and the programs? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm on all social media channels, uh, Nomad Business Coaching or Josh Bureau. You'll find me there. But if you go to joshbureau.com, you can even book a free strategy session. It's a totally no fluff, actually live, I will be on the call with you conversation where we get to talk about what you're doing and see if we can help you out. Well, I really appreciate your time. Love having you on the podcast. Uh, love working with you. So thank you so much. I'm wishing you and your family a very happy new year and wishing all of the listeners a happy new year as well. And also, Josh, I cannot wait to see all of the things that you're going to come up with in the future for us. So thank you. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for having me on, Natalie. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me in this conversation with Josh Bureau. As a reminder, go check out the Light Code Planner, my just brand new released book slash planner slash journal. I think you're going to really love it. You can go to nataliecra.com slash light dash code dash planner. Grab a copy and enjoy. I hope to see you all soon. And for now, sending you so much love.